You're listening to the Mother of All Solutions, stories from mums as they navigate their return to work. With me, Laura Broderick. My name is Amy Martin. I'm a creative producer based here in the Midlands. I am founder of Radical Childcare and I have three children, Theo, who's seven, Remy, who's four, and little Reuben, who's two. Okay, welcome to Mother of All Solutions, our WOW special for 2021. Um, I'm delighted to have Amy Martin speaking with me this evening. It's Saturday the 6th of March and it's the eve of Amy's Radical Childcare Workshop for WOW 2021. So hello, Amy. Hi, hi, hi. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. Um, and listeners will have heard your mini introduction um, before I started to speak, so they'll have a sense of you. But before we delve into to your story a bit deeper. So just to set the scene for WOW, um, listeners may have attended your Radical Childcare Workshop and listen back to this about the content. Some people might not have attended the workshop, but just really interested to know what happened and what you had to say and what some of the themes and the progress is going to be on it. Um, so there'll be a variety of people kind of coming in to, to listen to the episode. Um, but it's really exciting because WOW, Women of the World, really want to promote all aspects of women's journeys, women's lives, and how we support that and support each other and what kind of systems and infrastructures needed around us. So childcare is obviously massive. Um, and for listeners who listen to the WOW special from Mother of All Solutions for 2020, um, we ended that episode with quite an interesting discussion on childcare from the panel of Damned If You Do, Damned If You Don't session for the 2020 um, story. So if you haven't listened to that episode, you can always listen back to that in our archive. Um, but basically, that wasn't a specific childcare session, but childcare comes up all the time. And it comes up in stories and journeys and experiences that lots of not just mums but dads share through this podcast and through other forums dealing with parents and work and how they they manage it all so childcare is a hot topic and we'll have also read in the press through the pandemic that the childcare sector has dipped suffered is underfunded um obviously occupancy changed in the first lockdown when the nurseries and were closed and childminders couldn't take in kids and then obviously the provision has been there and available through this later lockdown, but it hasn't necessarily been operating at full capacity when parents have still been on furlough or lost their jobs or concerned about the kind of coronavirus rates in their local area, whatever aspect it is. So childcare, I'm sure for listeners of MOAS or for people who are interested in WOW and have come to this podcast through being interested in WOW, will have picked up the narratives around childcare and Amy I'm sure you will say a bit more on that as we delve into it but Amy's session is entitled Radical Childcare it's not just a discussion about childcare which is what makes it really interesting and I'm delighted Amy's managed to you know factor in a bit of time on a Saturday night um, rock and roll mums that we are um, to speak to us a little bit about the session and um, so I think that's that's hopefully a good introduction to WOW which is just an amazing festival so yeah it's fantastic to be part of it through this podcast so let's pick up with Amy and Amy I would like to know a little bit more about you first before we talk more about radical childcare. Um, you said in your intro you've got three kids and you live in Birmingham in the West Midlands tell us a little bit more about yourself what do you do in your kind of day-to-day -day life and your family tell us a little bit about that. Um, thank you so I am a creative producer 
I've been working with children and young people and families throughout my career, um, tending to kind of intersect between learning, um, creativity, kind of social justice, um, arts and culture. And um, I'm freelance. I'm currently working um, with uh, Sandwell Cultural Education Partnership and a new big super hospital being built in Sandwell. Okay. To curate a large kind of community arts and culture programme. Great. And I'm from Wales originally. So um, I suppose this this kind of pandemic has made me really um, re-engage with nature and mm. I'm currently doing a master's in early childhood education and oh, wow. this second year I'm doing is all about outdoor learning so I'm feeling that kind of nature and outdoor learning is is potentially going to factor more into my work in the future but it's kind of making me reflect upon my childhood growing up in Wales and what was important to me and how that shaped me mm. and through the pandemic our relationship to, to nature and the outdoors for my own family has been really important yeah. um so I have three young boys seven four and two okay and if we don't go outside you know at least once imagine. a day yeah <laughs> it's like there's no more wallpaper on the walls so <laughs> Yeah, you, you, you've got to um, factor that in as a major point of the day, not just a kind of add-on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And have they been doing through this most recent lockdown? Because obviously schools are back on Monday. Well, at least they mm. are. F- yeah. Um, yeah. So how, a bit of, yeah, tell me what the vibe is in your house. Because like, obviously every household's slightly different, you know, a bit of anticipation, trepidation, excitement. What's the sort of vibe with your boys? Yeah, it's kind of tricky. I think it's kind of, it's totes emotion, you know, there's like mm, the, the emotions yeah. kind of swing quite wildly and you know that that's, that's, you know, to do with the anxiety of going back to school. Mm. It's been really tricky for my eldest because it, he has two, you know, preschooler brothers. He's got a four-year-old who's only just turned yeah. four so, and a two-year-old. So they take much of the attention. But sure. generally the energy mm. is pretty frenetic, pretty wild. Mm. <laughs> yeah. 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 So your eldest is probably the one who's going to benefit most then from this sort of shift on Monday. And yeah. 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 I've got a seven year old as well, and she's like so looking forward to seeing her friends. Though mm. obviously, as you say, there's different emotions running through it all. And mm. yeah. So you said you're a creative producer, you're working locally um, on creative cultural programs with mm-hmm. Sandwell Hospital as well, and, mm-hmm. and working on that. You've got this background of growing up in kind of a rural area, and you're now embracing some of that reconnection with nature and what you've experienced this past year so this is you know there's obviously a lot gone on for you this past year as there has been for for most working parents how have you managed your work this past year and then we'll talk a little bit more about how you've managed childcare since you've had your kids as well so firstly about this past year how how have you kept working as a freelancer with the three boys in and out of home and childcare and school well, for a while, I was um, furloughed from my last position. And so I've only actually been freelance um, since November time. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been tricky. My other half, he works for Nike. So he's got a quite a corporate job that previously mm. would have seen him go to London two or three times a week. So in lots okay. of ways, it's been amazing because as a family unit, we've been a lot more yeah, yeah. kind of together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and trying to find a rhythm in how to work and how to play. But it's, yeah, I think it's really challenging. Mm. I think it's really challenging. I think it's been challenging for lots of people in lots of different ways. Mm. Um, Have you ended up working a lot in the evenings, the way we're talking now at like half eight on a Saturday night? Have you ended up having to sort of embrace that for yourself or have you been quite good about your boundaries and being like, actually... I'm just curious, Amy. I know it's a. I'm kind of giving you a bit of a curveball here, so I'm just. <laughs> it's fine. I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah. No. Same. I absolutely have been working in the evenings. Yeah. Mm. So generally, trying to, to carve out, we kind of have. Um, we take half the day generally. You know, either the morning or the afternoon, and mm. then yeah, I tend to catch up with my work in the evening. Mm. Um. Yeah. It's tricky. It's really, really tricky. I've been speaking to lots mm. of freelancers, and they've been saying they they put more hours in now than they would have yeah, before yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and yeah. I suppose it's that thing of wanting to take work while it's available as well so probably saying yes to stuff even if the yeah. reality is it's going to push you to the limit exactly well, I ho- <laughs> yeah I, I hope whatever comes next to us with the seven-year-old starting back at school our energies can be <laughs> mm. replenished I think I need something and if it sounds like you need a bit of a boost just to yeah <laughs> anyhow anyhow it's not counseling for us this is uh, <laughs> I was thinking about our children um so then in terms of your children mm-hmm. um you've got three kids seven year old so your seven year old was born 2013 2014 2014 mm-hmm. um what what happened with you then with childcare like had you been you'd said you'd been working with young people and children in your career so you had experience of of working with young people and children but obviously you hadn't been a parent until you first arrived mm. so what was then the dynamic of you looking into childcare? and I suppose I'm trying to get at what are your motivations and your passion for you now being this workshop lead on the topic of radical childcare? what are your personal experiences from your first child and then through to your second and third as well okay um yeah so um in 2014 um yeah, I would say that I didn't start thinking about childcare until Theo had been born. I think mm. potentially lots of people think like that. It's like when you go, when you fancy a bit of gardening, but then you don't understand about plant food and compost. So it's like, so then, you know, the flowers mm. will like wilt. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I, I didn't have a clue, basically. No. And I was rudely awoken by, yeah, yeah. you know... Um, but about just the sector and you know and how it worked because I was freelance then as I am now and um, I absolutely thought that there would be more options and that childcare would mimic how I worked so that mm. you know when I had lots of contracts in I could put him in you know for a few days a week and then when things were looking yeah. a bit sparse I could take him out and everything would be fine and I also yeah. thought that as my I have experience in creative learning that potentially I could keep costs down within the settings mm. by volunteering for them. Okay. But I soon realised that it all felt a lot more transactional. Mm. I felt very much like a parent consumer. And mm. um, this kind of, the this imagined kind of um, work trade programme um, that mm. I'd carved out in my imagination was absolutely no way going to happen. Mm. And so um, I kind of visited lots of different settings and have throughout 
the kind of life cycle of all three of my children tried all sorts of different childcare. Yeah. I've gotten through the right yeah. meal. I've done childminders and settings and uh, you know, nursery settings and preschools and maintain nursery schools and the whole the whole thing really. Shebang. Mm, the whole mm. shebang. And yeah. um yeah, and just I was kind of just interested to see. I felt I wanted to kind of test whether other people felt that the system um, of childcare wasn't didn't suit freelancers. Um, mm. At the time, there was lots of really interesting campaigns around. There was one called Pippa, which I think is still about, which is yeah, uh, theatre and yeah. yeah. So that mm. was um, um, parents in the performing arts mm. who were had also acknowledged that um, that the kind of childcare offer didn't necessarily suit anyone who didn't work in a normal nine to five way yeah, yeah and I found some really interesting models there's a great um group in London um called Motherhouse who are a kind of collective of artists and they were working okay um they were looking at creating kind of um, reciprocal childcare in a studio type environment where oh wow so when you as a practicing artist weren't creating something you were looking after everybody's children and then you know they would swap and change depending Um, and it was the kind of residency that was happening in a studio in London Mm. so I went to visit them I did lots of internet searches to find different types of practice so I was kind of I was pulling two threads I was I was pulling the the doom thread about how broken Mm. it was yeah which I'll happily go into if you've got a few hours (laughs) and then I was kind of pulling on the other thread of, of finding these amazing um um kind of areas of practice really mm, yeah and generally they did tend to be women focused that wasn't what i was searching for but it was it does seem to sit, what you found mm. sit within a women's issue um and lots of it was about childcare happening within a community environment mm. um not siloed off so okay very intergenerational in, in how it was set up mm. and so i got some um first of all i did a kind of broad open workshop and invited people to to kind of discuss what how they saw the kind of childcare conundrum and then I got some funding from Arts Council and I ran a small pilot co-working in creche so the children were upstairs at my local um impact hub and then the parents were working downstairs I finally realized my work trade program and had parent play workers um, excellent yeah yeah which which worked yeah. and it was brilliant because it was much more relational so people who were who hadn't ever used childcare before could have kind of tested out yeah there was yeah. no really strict settling in sessions or process you know it was very mm. fluid and absolutely child-centered it was great for people who were still feeding their children you know breastfeeding yeah, yeah, yeah. because um they could just come up and breastfeed whenever they wanted to yeah and yeah it just felt very intergenerational and then that kind of morphed into impact hub um basically setting up a children's membership so it turned into the hub kind of um transitioned into an intergenerational work and play space wow and i mean it it sounds fantastic i mean there's obviously it throws up lots of for people who are like logistically minded, they'd be like, okay, so how did you train these parent play workers? How did you like fund it, evaluate it? Like, you know, there's masses of work in it, but mm-hmm. it sounds so, so exciting. Mm. And it kind of resonates with some of my interests. Like I always try to get involved with lots of different things, whether it's art workshops or things happening at the library or, and this idea of like these spaces being more than just like very formalized siloed structures 
appeals to me, especially in that early bit where maybe either you're working freelance or you want to transition back to work. You don't want to go straight from like, you know, full on maternity leave to Mm. full on back to, you know, standard, you know, 30, 40 plus hours each week working. Um, so it sounds really exciting. So that was, how long ago did you pilot that, Amy? Was that? So that was when Theo was about nine months old. So that was okay. like later, later in 2014, 2015. Mm. Yeah. And you were obviously referencing all this research you'd found locally, internationally, and sort of bringing all that together. Mm-hmm. And was that the point that you, you know, yeah, how is that sort of evolution of where you were in terms of research and progress yeah to now I know it's probably a big journey but let's see yeah. how we can yeah <laughs> I love see, you guys let's see how that leads into what you're doing tomorrow for the workshop okay um so when I did the first kind of inquiry workshop that's really when radical childcare as a and as an idea was formed and it's always been about an open movement and a hashtag mm. so um Although in 2016, I did a TEDx talk, which I think kind of helped with the kind of the messaging of it. Sure. As an open movement, it can be broadly adopted by anybody and anybody using the hashtag. So all of my kind of work, my different um, kind of lines of inquiry has all kind of Mm. um, been um, set within the kind of culmination of radical childcare, which feels okay. to me as a kind of an evolving inquiry into into alternative practice, really. Mm. Um, and so, we can put a link to the TEDx talk in the show yeah. notes for listeners, so we can share that so people can delve deeper when they've got time. Yeah, brilliant. Um, but just a little on the broken system, like this. Obviously, if we look at it through a systems lens, then um, children, you know. They exist in lots of different ecosystems. But if we concentrate purely on childcare as we know it, um, mm. I'll, I'll just give you a, a few. I do have them to hand. So if I suddenly mm. go all data, then do excuse no, me. No, we like some data. <laughs> okay, here comes the science part. Um, so yeah, 98% of the workforce is female. Yeah. So we know that that's, that's a problem. Um, why? Because care is poorly paid. That's why it's a female workforce. And the default rate mm. of pay for childcare practitioners is the national minimum wage. So you can earn more by working in McDonald's. And if that yeah. sits next to what happens within a child's brain in those early years and the architecture that happens, we are absolutely underserving this workforce. Mm. Then there's some kind of broader statistics from the OECD that shows that the UK has the second most expensive childcare in the world. So it's costing us a lot, but we're not paying our practitioners enough. So that's yeah. a incongruency that we have to kind of sit with. Yeah. And, um, and because we're not paying those practitioners enough, half of all childcare workers are in in-work poverty. So... Mm. If you've ever experienced any type of poverty or any type of scarcity, you know that whatever job you're having to commit to whilst you're feeling those feelings and in that reality isn't your best. No. Because you're sitting with an amount of existing anxiety and difficulty. Mm. Um, But then we look on the other side. Childcare is really big business. 
Busy Bees Nursery chain oversaw um, the acquisition of Treetops Nursery for 137 million, which increased their sales to 31%, giving their shareholders a profit of 327.5 million pounds. So there's huge there's huge corporate things happening because the majority of childcare in the UK is delivered to us through private voluntary and independent sector. So that means it's part of the free market. That means that if you can afford to get really good childcare, you will. And if you can't mm. afford to get good childcare, you won't. And it's that yeah. kind of inequality that we're sitting with and that kind of inequality that kind of motivates me to do this exploration. Mm. And is Busy Bees, am I right in thinking Busy Bees is like the biggest UK nursery chain? Have yes. I got yeah. that right? Yeah. yeah. So, And even like on the flip, obviously there's the inequality, but if that chain collapsed in some way shape or form then it's like yeah that's like a massive chunk of a kind of nursery provision out yeah Um, (laughs) and we know what happens because that happened in australia okay Um, yeah when their key providers which basically you know had a lion's share of the market completely collapsed Mm -hmm. and then um the australian government had to come in and bail them out and New Economics Foundation, um, Lucy Stevens has done some really fantastic work on, okay. on, on that kind of corporate childcare and what happens when, you know, mm. the lion's share of a free market, um, when they're providing something around care, which is relational and about mm. um, child development, collapses, you know, what, what the risks are to broader society when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I interjected with that bit about No, it's busy really music. important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Yeah, so we've got a vulnerable system with low-paid workforce, not subsidised enough through government to kind of keep the cost down for parents, pay the staff properly. Is this the kind of is is that the right sort of? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, narrative. So the, yeah. yeah. So Theresa May's um thirty free hour uh thirty thirty hours of free childcare is basically badly thought out and very mm. severely underfunded. So nurseries, as we'll probably the listeners of this podcast will ha- will realize that you often have to top up your fees in some other way yeah, and yeah. and then if you hear the sector talk about it they have to supplement because it's not all busy bees there's loads of independent childminders yeah. there's lots of kind of great practice from yeah, people yeah. starting up provisions because they absolutely love children and they want to you know they 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 are doing their life's work yeah. and sadly it's those guys who are who we're going to be seeing the end of during the pandemic so uh, pregnant then screwed has put out a great campaign about it they're saying one in six nurseries are set to close by the end of 2021 and the yeah. Sutton Trust have found that a third of nurseries in the country's most deprived areas are unlikely to be open by the end of the year so yeah, we're looking bleak. we're facing mm. some major inequality um no that's really bleak yeah and as you say there's this pocket well there are and I've experienced through my kids different types of childcare as you said you went through the mm. the smorgasbord of what's out there and we've done a bit of that as well and had some really good experiences but you know stuff you've got to root out and find and you know it's not mm. always as easy or available or as flexible as you want it to be but you, mm. you can find it but it's it's vulnerable mm. it's not and if there's the inequality side of it there's the child developmental side of it that you've mentioned there's people being able to to work and women mothers you know especially I know it should be you know considered holistically with all parenting but you know the the reality is a lot of childcare, the unpaid labor falls on the women Mm. to get 
working or back into work or retraining or whatever it is you need time you need space you need childcare to mm. to to do that yeah um so yeah so that's let's say we've wrapped up a weeny bit of the doom i know we're going to come back <laughs> to <Merry> it christmas <laughs> yeah 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 happy end of lockdown three <laughs> yeah. um so oh, dear. so we're there um we've got this po- these pockets of amazing practice mm. pockets of amazing stuff that you've found out that we all know in our local communities happens we've got lots of people with low energy but also a lot of will whether that's through anger or passion or whatever it is spurring them on to make change so when we come together tomorrow for radical childcare, what what are you going to be prompting us to do amy what what are you going to be telling us firing us up with for people that are listening who might not have been to the workshop set the scene a little bit for us um yeah okay so um so tomorrow it's really about a kind of it's a workshop so it's a kind of collective reflection on where we Mm. are and where we want to go with with Mm. um with childcare and with childhood it's an important reflection for me really that's kind of summarizes the problem is that um learning starts in the womb Mm. um and so learning doesn't start when our children go to school um and so that kind of early childhood um is really important and kind of resourcing and giving um time and reflection to to those early stages is really important to me um but then the kind of broader um implications for how we see children in society is kind of where we're going with the workshop tomorrow Okay, and many of the examples and the guests that we have are when people have come together within their communities and they've identified a part of childhood that they feel that they can have some agency over, and okay. they've kind of um brought people together within a community setting and they've just tried some stuff out, and I think that's kind of the opportunity um and where the opportunities lie is that we um when things are kind of I suppose it's the phoenix of uh the phoenix from the ashes or this idea of of kind of you have to when when something is completely broken it's kind of um there is opportunity that lies in its reinvention Mm. and so much of the earlier sector so much of early years academia so many parents and grandparents have experienced being close to their children and within the close proximity of their children's play during the pandemic that it almost feels as we can't go back to that um transactional model Mm. we have to Mm. find more intergenerational ways of being within our community and so hopefully we'll hear Mm. some of that tomorrow that's amazing and i know um you've told me before about workplace examples as well as um community cooperatives parent-led activity so yeah yeah do you want to say a little bit about those workplace examples that you've managed to uncover as well because I think that was really interesting to me just thinking about who can bring about change in this who can you know you know put pressure on or lobby or actually just get on and deliver some good provision so do you want to to say we knew a bit on that as well Amy yeah so I can give kind of three examples I suppose the most corporate example that I've seen of really amazing practice is Patagonia mm. um you know the outdoor brand um yeah. so they have really amazing um very intergenerational work and play spaces 
very intentionally putting um, the early childhood um, kind of care and play and learning very much at the centre. So when, when they have these kind of corporate visitors, when they're trying to land a big deal, whatever it is that they do, um, the people kind of come into their meetings will first of all see their own children playing. It's a family yeah. business. It was set up to be a family business. And they so they incorporated where their children are and their children being within that workspace from the off. And then they have kind of continued that through. They've done a really great book called, um, I think it's just called Family Business. It's a great big lexicon okay. with loads of amazing images of what their, um, their headquarters look like all over the world mm. and how children are incredibly visible within their workplaces. So I suppose that's a corporate example. There are yeah. lots of examples, well, not that many, but there are there are there are, there are growing numbers of um uh, co um co working spaces that have mm. kind of crash provision or yeah, yeah. nurseries um uh, many in London but some popping up other in other cities in the UK mm. so that's something that's really exciting because that offers an alternative. Um, certainly for the freelance workforce, which is a growing yeah, workforce, you know. It is, it is. Um, mm. And then I suppose the third kind of um, example that I've seen um, would be where artists have incorporated this kind of um, reciprocal childcare within their spaces, either their studio spaces or their maker spaces. The one that I was yeah. really got me at the beginning of this journey was um, a place in California. They're called the Mothership Hackerspace. And again, okay. it's, it's a kind of maker space. So it has people make, creating whatever it is they're doing, 3D printing or uh, engineering or, you know, artwork. Um, but they also have on-site um, childcare provision. Um, yeah. And again, reciprocal childcare. It's almost like the best parts of what we understand from uh, the home ed community and how that's, you know, as a, as a way of organising around children's learning, mm. where you kind of share skills and you, um, you create a kind of curriculum together and you have a kind of journey of travel and you follow the child's instincts it's kind of perfect for that yeah, because yeah, um, yeah. that's that's how we tend to work isn't it as people who work in office spaces uh, and in mm. studios so uh yeah i'd say that those are the kind of three most engaging um mm. examples of when people want to create these intergenerational work and play spaces no i i think they're all really interesting i'm sure with this podcast episode there'll be a lot in the show notes links for further reading and things that people can look up especially as some people will be listening to this and and not being to the workshop and um, one thing I well a few things I wanted to touch upon because you gave me some links before we spoke around what is radical childcare, and I think I'm sure lots of people are listening to what you're saying about good practice and you started off talking about nature and engagement with the environment again and you know people probably would maybe that might spring to their minds if you said to them what do you think of when you think about improving childcare or radical childcare?" and you know there's lots of research and understanding around forest schools and maybe people are a little bit more familiar with some of that again about like access to play and safe spaces and you know cars not being near schools you know there's a lot of the kind of school streets and um, street closures and things people might be aware of that which is all you know fantastic for you know child development whether that's in formal childhood settings or at home and in your kind of life around your home and your school or your nursery so there's lots of that stuff that I think I probably had a sense of and arts-based learning and creative play and and some of that 
filtering through and you know settings learning with the child and following the child's inquiry and all of that but what I really loved reading about within your work was lots of stuff that I hadn't really thought about before in terms of like the spaces where all this could happen and you know you talked about the school grounds being open for community use more and and then I got me thinking I was like you know for six seven weeks each summer a school environment is pretty much shut down isn't it Mm. you know and for people who are only on term time childcare provision the summer can be a nightmare and I mean I don't have family nearby but I do often call on grandparents to come and stay to help over the summer holidays obviously with the pandemic in 2020 that didn't happen it'll be really hard for people to call on grandparents still this year and so for that term time only I was like why why can't there be models of opening up the school and having mixed ages together we don't need to have kids in defined curricular boxes of what they can achieve and do you know the the idea of a parent could you know volunteer for half a day on some sort of literacy project if that was their skill or interest or an art project if it was me and that's something I felt more comfortable with you know I'm sure there's anyhow it just got me really excited I was like this needs to be thought through as well as obviously on the flip side us just actually getting better provision funded for those formal childcare settings that we need to still exist and grow and develop um so I really loved all that and then you've touched upon things around um going back to work and you said for for mums that were still breastfeeding and having those informal spaces where they could still do that and have you know half a day to work I was also thinking about mums that are maybe studying they're not earning but they're training or learning and being able to access somewhere just for an hour or two like those library spaces or whatever it is opening up in a way that you don't always just have to to go to take the books out a child could be sitting in a creative area in that space so that you could access the computer for an hour and know that somebody was supervising your child in those spaces for an hour and everyone's a winner. <laughs> I was like, it, it just got me really interested. And so I'm really looking forward to, to sort of knowing what comes out of tomorrow's session and what the participants in the workshop also bring to the table. Mm. Um, and yeah, what we're hoping to do as well for, for completing this episode is to get some kind of takeaways from participants in the workshop I mean obviously we can't be in person together in a typical wow festival way where people like talk and exchange but you will be I'm sure facilitating it as best as we can through the virtual world that we're in and so I would really like to record so yeah it'd be interesting to know what people come away thinking and feeling afterwards Mm. I mean what do you feel about the things I've picked up on were you surprised that they're the things I've kind of picked up on or do you think no, because I think Sorry. no, I think it's really interesting because I think it's important for me to hear what sparks people's curiosity because sometimes mm. there can be um, certainly much of the kind of motivation for radical childcare is is sharing the possibility and keeping people, um, making sure that folks are aware that the system is broken but also aware that you know, there is opportunity for us to develop ideas and if we are going to kind of reach. Um, a new landscape then we you know it's going to take all of us 
with the adage, it takes a village, it is going to take all of us within our own communities to see those kinds of opportunities and say, well, why can't this happen in that school ground or whatever? But mm. I suppose you don't kind of know what's possible until perhaps you hear it for the first time. So um, mm. hopefully tomorrow um, through the guests, um, we will hear those kinds of examples. Mm. And those are kind of big and small can I just talk briefly about who, who some of those are? Because it helps. Yeah, tell us. Tell us, yeah. So um, Rome um, are a fantastic um, organisation based here in Birmingham. And they're all about children's uh, autonomy in nature. So, and it's absolutely, as I said at the beginning, kind of where I'm really interested in. So I've got a couple mm. of nature examples tomorrow. So Rome uh, work in, in a local kind of green space and they work with a team of volunteers who wear high vis. The team of volunteers have got lots of training. They stand at each of the kind of entry and exit points of the park. Children have to um, be in groups of two or three. I might misquote okay. them. I think it's probably three. And they're allowed to go for two hours by themselves without an adult to roam and play, discover, explore. Mm. Their parents are kind of sitting on a picnic blanket, having a cup of tea or freezing their bejesus off, depending on what yeah. time of year it is. Um, but uh, it's, I'll it's, for the summer session. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's, it's trying to re-engage that idea that we had, perhaps, I don't want to talk for you, but there's lots of data mm. to say that um, our children roam, I think it's 90% less than we were allowed to. And of course, yeah, our I'm parents sure. before sure. us. So it's mm. it's there, they've identified that that's the thing that they want to have an impact in, is children's autonomy in nature. And that's what they've okay. kind of gone to bring about change. And they, mm. it's the type of model that could be adopted, just like playing out safe street play is adopted. Yeah. It could be something that we all do in our local parks, you know, with a community of like-minded parents who are interested in, in this topic. Yeah. And then yeah, the other yeah. one is a much more of a kind of inner city um um, example but um, the glue collective are a really amazing multidisciplinary arts collective who are really they're all trained play workers and artists and are all kind of um, gardeners and, and enthusiastic about growing and they mm. want to reclaim those little areas of kind of scrubland that you get between houses often within um, yeah, yeah. social housing um, estates, blocks yeah, and, yeah. Es and estates and want to reclaim those as kind of small adventure playgrounds they're called sparks it's a place for mm. people to grow for children to play and they use a particular type of play um called loose parts which is um children playing with found objects making what they can um using their initiative to to um to kind of find the the areas of curious curiosity in the in these loose parts so those are the two kind of examples of things that can be adopted mm. on small or large scales within communities and that you might come from and then we're really lucky to have Nigel Clark who we you and I if you've got children of CBB's age yeah he, he does um, baby club, baby club yeah. yeah it stopped me we from love singing Nigel. the song <laughs> we love so, I won't sing it yeah <laughs> yeah I really want to sing it but I'm trying not to sing it um he runs this great project called Dad Avengers, which is about um yeah. Um, basically just making fatherhood more visible and a community yeah. around the role of fathers and bringing fathers into these really important conversations about well-being, about children's literacy, um, yeah. and really kind of hosting those conversations. He does it in a really dynamic way by having people um, uh, write in and then he kind of curates um, the blog 
his own blog and then he hosts he's um, a podcaster too now he's a podcaster yeah, yeah and he um, yeah. hosts chats on instagram so it's great to have him and then we do have um debbie kate hartland who is um, an early years specialist and she's talking about a particularly a particular pedagogical approach called the reggio emilia approach Yay. which is really fascinating in its history it came out of northern italy just after um the second world war um, where communities got together because they wanted their children not to fall prey of fascism and they wanted their children to be able to think for themselves, to critically think um, who they are, to check their own biases, to broaden their horizons, to discuss problems um, through kind of, you know, forums and such. And I think that's a really important and very relevant um, pedagogy to reflect on during this time Um I've been doing a lot of work with Liz Pemberton, who's known on Instagram as the Black Nursery Manager. Um, okay. Uh, she does anti-racism um, training and has been doing that for a long time. And Great. we talk regularly about why anti-racism is so important in the early years, not only to reflect on children's own biases that can be a, a, can be absolutely adopted by the time they're two to three years old, but yeah, also yeah. to to think about the biases of the practitioners um, within the settings and how we talk about racism and race mm. and culture and identity um, and reflection with very young children so that we're kind of we are, we are molding um, these these settings and these children to be able to critically reflect on on what they believe to be right and what they believe to be wrong. That's an amazing lineup. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I'm now really like excited for tomorrow. And as I say, for completing this podcast we're going to put some takeaways from from what's covered um and obviously in all the show notes we'll link through to the things you've referenced and the people you've got involved in the workshop so that if you are listening and you haven't had the opportunity to, to engage with it directly then you can follow through and and learn what these examples are about and who these people are sort of operating in this this sector and then obviously any other good practice I'm sure Amy people will want to, sh to share with you and can find you on Twitter and Instagram so we'll we'll put those links in as well and mm -hmm. um, but I know there's another big venture you've got going on and um, Parakeet can you tell us and the listeners a, a little bit about what that is and yeah tell us more <laughs> okie dokie so um the Parakeet is um well it's a family business first off it's something that I'm developing with my partner um he's really interested always like me in in family in growing kind of healthy happy children um he's also really interested in the outdoors and in cycling and kind of how we look after our environment and you know how we live in the world and so we have been kind of talking about how we can create a business that will kind of I don't know give space for us as a family to grow um but also impact other families and I suppose we hope to be able to make physical spaces where these kinds of conversations can be had. Um, I really want uh, the parakeet to be something that lives on high streets. Oh, okay. Because I think, um, well, there's lots of data around, you know, the future of high streets and where they're going, but I would love a very intentional place that celebrates childhood on a high street. I think that would be really okay. exciting. I'm really mm -hmm. behind um, the child-friendly uh, boroughs and child-friendly cities movements and encouraging children to be more visible within urban planning 
Um, And I think having a very physical, intentional place, which is about celebrating childhood on on our high streets would be really exciting. I'm really, really motivated by arts and creativity. So I think fundamentally this would have that kind of studio uh, feel where things are molded and created and and um, recycled and remade. Um, there's going to be some amazing snacks because yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you've like my my children are always hungry, and whenever you take them out for a meal, it's an absolute nightmare. So I would love to try and create something that feels like beneficial that you can go out and eat with your children and and everyone feels looked after you know I would just love that so so the kind of the cafe the snacks the food side of it is really important the play side of it is hugely important the creativity side of it is hugely important and this relationship to childhood and to nature and to play is hugely important it's all, um, it's kind of pipe dreams that I'm trying to kind of pull threads on at the moment. Yeah, um, well, I'm it, sure the pandemic hasn't helped. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm sure, like, had it been, you know, a year and a half ago, it would have just been kind of like, this is what we're doing and how we're yeah. doing it. But, yeah. Um, no, I just think it's really exciting because, as you say, with radical childcare, it's like a movement with a hashtag and mm. lots of people can share and it's something that just keeps evolving. And then, parakeet that you've spoken about is much more as you said something that's like physical and visible and Mm. putting children like you know you know at the center of things that are happening in a place and Mm. you know so it's quite nice those ideas in tandem yeah Um, yeah so I think that's quite quite a nice balance of seeing what comes from all of those aspects of this sort of Mm. inquiry and improving as you say not just childcare but childhood and I know you've emphasized that that it's the settings but it's also what we're doing to kind of nurture and develop our children as the parents and the people that care for our children outside of the home yeah Um, so it's it's really exciting so Amy it's been lovely to speak with you and I have the privilege of attending the workshop tomorrow but as I say all the show notes will link through to everything that's been said and we'll have some sort of audience participant takeaway notes to share in the podcast as well um, but how can people find you Amy if people want to follow you quickly just from listening to this and um, what's the best way for people to learn more about you and radical childcare? Um, so um yeah I suppose on all the socials the parakeet is something I'd really like to um to direct people to so we're on okay. um, Instagram as um the parakeet with some underscores hopefully you can find the right yeah. <laughs> the the right amount of underscores and where they are in the show notes um I'm on Twitter as um Amy Roselle Martin um so you can find me there and then yeah if you check out the the hashtag of radical childcare you could you'll kind of get um a better idea of the kind of culmination of the different projects and how it's kind of lived and evolved and existed throughout the years um because there's been some amazing kind of wins there's some really um important conversations that's been had and it's and it's all kind of there as a piece of archive um that's kind of ever evolving and hopefully the future of radical childcare and radical childhood um can be kind of revamped and reinvigorated at the workshop tomorrow and there'll be plenty more really bright minds and interesting reflections in mm. in in the future and what this can look like in this kind of post-pandemic world that we find ourselves in yeah no, fantastic and I have checked the underscores Amy so it's the 
underscore parakeet underscore on Instagram. So there you are, if you can find her quickly. But as I say, it'll all be linked in in the show notes. Um, So thank you again, Amy. And thank you to the WOW Festival for for linking us up for for this interview and for facilitating the workshop. Um, And yeah, really appreciate you taking the time. Um, Good luck with your eldest going back to school on Monday and your younger two maybe having a different sort of space in the house to to be together or doing whatever it is that's happening next with your family so um lots of you know best to all of you in your in your household Amy thank and, you um, thanks for thanks for taking the time awesome thank you <laughs> you've been listening to the first part of mother of all solutions um linked to the radical childcare session for the wow festival 2021 we'll share some audio notes soon from participants at the workshop thanks for listening so far So this is Laura, um, part two of the WOW Special Radical Childcare episode. I have just logged out of the session that Amy was running and facilitating, and it was amazing. I mean, obviously, as you heard Amy speak, fantastic lineup of presentations and speakers. And yeah, but also what was really special for me, obviously, we aren't together in person for the the wow festival as it stands and i know jude in her introduction to the whole festival was talking about some of the feelings of disappointment behind that but we still had those breakout sessions where the generosity of the women coming together and i'm sure there were one or two dads i mean nigel clark was there from dad vengers but hopefully there were some other other men in the space as well but the women that i spoke to in those breakout rooms you know, sharing some experiences and ideas and enthusiasm. So I think that was my key takeaway. Um, I have invited two of my friends to give their key takeaways. So I'm going to play their audio notes. Um, So Danielle and Jane are friends of mine from end of 2002. We met in South Korea. We were all there teaching English as a foreign language, as a kind of graduate um, job to do, kind of relatively straight out of uni for me. So yeah, I've known them for a while and they're both teachers. So I really wanted them to listen and they've both got kids and they'll say more about themselves and their takeaways from the session. And yeah, and that will be, you know, our chance to see what the audience felt coming away from it. So over to them. Hi, um, my name's Danielle Payne Davis. I've got two children aged 13 and three and I'm a teacher in a secondary school. Um, I want to thank you all for sharing your ideas on Sunday. It was really, really inspiring to hear them. Um, I think a couple of the big takeaways for me was Rome. So, for example, um, I took on board some of the ideas there and then just kind of gave my daughter some more boundaries for when she goes out, but I think it's an absolutely fantastic idea, um, and that's really, really brilliant. And then... The other thing was the glue gardens. Um, They were fantastic. I just love the way that people have gone on and transformed some unloved pieces of land. Um, And it's just so inspiring. And I think that there's a real need for it. I'm a teacher in a secondary school in a deprived area just outside the city of Birmingham. Um, And I know that a lot of our children live in terror blocks and they just don't have access to gardens, which can be quite traumatic when you're in there during lockdown, especially. 
but just on a weekend if that would give them somewhere to go. So thank you very much, everybody. Hello, my name's Jane Robinson. I'm an early years and inclusion advisor for Kensington and Chelsea and a mum to a nearly three-year-old. Um, before I was an advisor, I was a teacher for about 10 years, working in early years and key stage one. So yesterday I attended the Radical Ch Childcare Workshop by WOW and I'm here just to talk about what I took away from the workshop. So first up was Nigel Clark from Baby Club talking about dad adventures and it was really interesting actually to hear from a father's perspective um, on the kind of challenges that fathers face um, in parenthood and how similar they are to mothers really. Um, and it was very interesting, actually, when he was talking about the kind of unconscious bias when it comes to fathers being the primary carer. Um, the second um, contribution that I'd like to talk about was SPARK or SPARK. Um, and it's the group that provide community play areas, uh, reinvigorating forgotten spaces and turning them into areas of awe and wonder for children, allowing them to play and explore outside in a safe domain. But it also encourages them to be creative by problem solving. It teaches children resilience, allowing them to take measured risks. And it actually hones their social skills with friends. And the lady that... Um, delivered this presentation had a real clear emphasis on the importance of loose parts play, um, using everyday items, industrial items, encouraging open-ended exploration. And it was interesting actually to hear that um, in a society that's seen a dramatic reduction in child independence through play, um, highlighted by Rome, another contributor um, to the discussion. It was interesting to hear that this opportunity by Spark actually allows children to experience that independence in play, but in a kind of safe environment. Um, and I think that's really important for those children that just don't have access to outdoor areas that may be living in high rises, um, and it's, it, it just really inspired me, actually, to think, how could I help more in the community and get involved in that kind of um, community project? Um, so it's definitely something that I'm going to explore with the local authority and see if I can actually extend um, my experience and become part of something similar. Um, thank you. So thank you to Jane and thank you to Danielle for their takeaways and their feedback on the on the session. Um, I know I got a lot out of it too, so it's great to hear from them. So thank you both. And thank you all for listening. Um, it's been fantastic to do this WOW special. Um, great to get to meet Amy through this process. And I hope lots of people start using the hashtag Radical Childcare and following what's happening in Parakeet. If you have enjoyed the episode, please do share it with anyone who's interested in the topics of parenting, returns to work and childcare. It'd be fantastic to know what you think. You can email us at motherofallsolutions at gmail.com or find us on Twitter as at solutionsmother. Yeah, we look forward to hearing from you. And if you can spare a minute or two to give us a little review and rate us or subscribe to us for future episodes or looking back into the archive, please do so. It means a lot to me. 
So thank you very much. Um, yeah, I'm wishing for more radical childcare, more radical childhood, and hopefully also some better parenthood as a result. You've been listening to The Mother of All Solutions. The Mother of All Solutions is produced and hosted by Laura Broderick and edited by me, Owen Wainhouse. Music for this episode was specially commissioned and produced by Roz Fraser.